Yo, today's QOD is don't let the complaints take your passion. Here we go. The day show. I'm your host, Sean Croxton of SeanCroxton.com. We've got Inky Johnson back on the show with some fresh new content today. He's going to share a story about being a role model for the younger generation. I'm sure we've all got stories about somebody who took us under our wing when we were young and just were examples for how we could be. We also have people who were bad examples who taught us who not to be. When I think about my role models, I can't help but think about my, my late uncle Robert who just always was teaching lessons, sometimes the same lesson over and over and over again. And maybe that was strategy because he knew that that repetition of teaching me these lessons over and over again would get into my subconscious mind and, you know, point me in the right direction of life. So ask yourself, how can you become a better role model for the younger generation? Inky Johnson, coming up. Right, when I was in the eighth grade, I met a math teacher in basketball that changed my life. That's why when I stood on the stage, I said, thank you. I am a product of what you all do. I was standing on the corner with my uncle that got 40 years in prison. I wasn't doing anything illegal. I was being a kid. And a red Dodge Ram pickup truck pulls up, and my uncle taps me and said, Ink, who is that? I was like, I don't know. And the window rolled down. I said, man, that's my, that's my basketball, that's my math teaching basketball coach. My uncle said, what does he want? At that point, my coach said, what are you doing out here, Ink? I said, I'm hanging out. He said, no, you didn't hear me. What are you doing out here? I said, I'm hanging out. He said, get in the truck, point me to your house. I got in the truck, I pointed him to my house, we pulled up, and he said to me, I'll never forget, he said to me, Ink, I see greatness in you, man. I was like, I hear you. He was like, oh, you don't believe me. I said, I didn't say that. I said, I hear you. He said, no, you don't believe me. I said, no, I hear you. I said, but... The corner you just picked me up from, when me and my cousins come to your school in the morning, my uncle wears a 2X t-shirt. At that point, I was 135 pounds. I said, the same 2X t-shirt he gonna be in the corner in all night. When I come to your classroom in the morning, I'm gonna be wearing that same 2X t-shirt and I'm 135 pounds. So I hear you talking, but I, I hear you, but I can't, I can't, I can't get with it. Oh. We called him Oka for news. I said, I can't get with it. I said, most of the mornings when you come to breakfast and me and my three younger cousins are on the wall because when we step in the breakfast room and all they know is we didn't eat the night before. And so whenever we would step into the breakfast room, they would rush to the front of the line. They weren't trying to be bullies. They weren't trying to push nobody out of the line. They didn't eat the night before. We go to breakfast. They will run to the front of the line trying to get something to eat. Cafeteria administrator will always say, Johnson boys, get on the wall. And he would always say, Inky, you the oldest. Why do you let them do this? And I was too embarrassed to tell him that we didn't eat the night before. And so I would stand on the wall and I would just be quiet until one morning he kept going on and on. Inky, why do you let them do this? Why do you all do this every other morning? And I said to him, man, we didn't eat last night. He said, why didn't you say anything? I said, you didn't ask. I said, so, Oak, I hear you talking, but most of the mornings when we come to your school, you're saying something, but we're coming from a totally different circumstance. 
And I'll never forget these words. He said to me, I'm going to show you. Be ready in the morning. I'm going to pick you up before school. I say, bluffing. Like most people, right? They just say stuff, right? Empty promises. And the next morning, I'm asleep on the floor. I hear my door get knocked on. My mother runs up to it. She comes back to me. She shakes me. Says, Inky, get dressed. I look at her. She said, your math teacher and basketball coach at the door. I said, oh, he was serious. I walked to the door. He said, get dressed, man. And when I got in his truck, he said, let me tell you how we're going to beat this. He said, I'm going to pick you up every single morning until you graduate high school. And I'm going to take you and I'm going to play you in a game of one-on-one basketball. And I'm going to sit you down on the bench and I'm going to read you a proverb and you're going to have to recite it to me every single morning until you graduate high school. And every morning in that gym, he would play me in a game of one-on-one basketball. And while we're playing, he's teaching me life. And after the game, he would sit me down on the bench and he would read a proverb. And I'll never forget the day the principal walked into the gymnasium and he said, DeMarco Mitchell, he was 23 years old. Him and his wife had four kids of their own. They had adopted three more from the Atlanta public school system. And the principal, Dr. Jackson, said to him, DeMarco Mitchell, he said, yes, sir. He said, I heard you've been given inquirious proverbs. That's my real name, inquirious. He said, I heard you've been giving him proverbs. He said, yes, sir, I have. He said, man, you know we can't do that. Stop it or I have to fire you. You're a young teacher, man. You can't do that. And I'll never forget watching him without hesitation. And I got it, right? Church and state. Totally understood it. I'll never forget watching him without any hesitation saying, well, you're just going to have to fire me then because his life is worth it. And in that moment, saying to myself, if he's willing to put the way he provides for his family on the line for a scrawny kid from the east side of Atlanta, I got to give him everything I got. And so when I got to Krim High School and I encountered a security guard that asked me my freshman year of high school, what's your plan, little man? And I was at the lowest performing public school in the state of Georgia, and I said to him, man, I'm planning on going D1. I'm going to college. And the security guard looked back at me and said, you'll probably go to cell block D1. I'm like, nah, you don't know me, man. And he's like, yeah, your uncles came to the same school, ended up in prison, right? I'm like, yep. He's like, the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. I'm like, we'll see. He said, we will. In my senior year, when I got a scholarship from Tennessee, I walked into the lunchroom, I slid it across the table to him, and when he picked up the paper, he said to me, I just want to ask you a couple of questions. I said, what you got? He said, first and foremost, how did you do it? I said, you thought I was trying to go to college? I wanted to break a generational curse in my family. Nobody in my family had been to college. I said, you thought I was just trying to go to college. I wanted to change the perception of the whole school. I said, you thought I was trying to go to college. I wanted the next time a mother was in the car with her son and she was at the, at the stoplight in front of our high school, I wanted the mother to look at the son and say, you know the kid, Inky Johnson, that's out in the world doing some good? He's a product of that place. I said, you thought I was trying to go to college. I wanted my coach that picked me up as a kid that stood in front of my house when there was two bedrooms and 14 people that said to me, son, as long as you make sure that somebody else's life is okay, God will make sure that your life is okay. I had to give him a return on his investment. You thought I was trying to go to college. I wanted my coach that showed up and said, son, I am going to pick you up until you graduate high school. I had to give him a return on his investment. And so when I got to Tennessee, it was Mayberry. I was like, man, y'all get steak, shrimp, and spaghetti? Y'all get new cleats every day? Y'all got a system that if you do what you say you're going to do, you get a shot, not at the NFL, get a shot at the great equalizer in life, your education. Right? Like, I was privileged to work with my son's 
little baseball team the past two years, and I didn't want to do it, right? I just wanted to be a dad, but they put me on the spot and asked me would I do it, right? And I got to work with these kids, and it was the most rewarding, fulfilling thing that I've probably been a part of, man. It was incredible. Not because of the win-loss column. Now, don't get it twisted. I'm a competitor to the T. But when I would see somebody get it and understand it, it was beautiful. When I would see somebody come into their own level of belief and dedication, it was beautiful. But I'll never forget a coach saying one day, as he walked past the dugout, I can't deal with the parents, man. I'm done. And his kids were just standing over there waiting on him to come back. I didn't even know him. I didn't know what he had encountered. He probably had every right to feel that way. And I jogged over to him, and I was just like, brother, they waiting on you, man. Now, yeah, I can't deal with the parents. I'm like, the parents are not there. They waiting on you. Parents over there, they might be talking about you, mad at you. But that 10, 11 kid, they waiting on you, man. I was like, yeah, I can't put up with it, man. I didn't get in it for that. I was like, exactly. You didn't get in it for that, right? The, the murmurs, the complaining, you didn't get in it for that, right? You got in it for a totally different reason, purpose, mission, impact, cultivating something, right? Helping people's beliefs stay true to what it is, right? You didn't get in it for that. Don't let the complaints take your passion, right? I'm not one of these people that travel around the world and claim to know everything and tell people how to do what they do. I wouldn't disrespect you in that way, right? But if you haven't heard anything else I've said, I want you to get this. In life, People don't burn out and quit because of what they do. People burn out and quit because life makes them forget why they do it. I just want one thing from you. When my coach showed up for me, he let me know he didn't forget why he got in it in the first place. It wasn't about the superficial and materialistic. It was about impact. It was about seeing somebody become something. It was about believing in a kid until they started believing in themselves. I just want one thing from you. As incredible as you are, as talented as you are, as gifted as you are, let's never allow life to make us forget why we do what we do. That's why I posed the question back to him when I said, do you feel like that every day? I know every day not gonna be peaches and cream, but the mission, the purpose, and why we do what we do, we can never lose sight of that, we can never forget that. Because on the other end of that is belief systems, it's young people, it's their dreams, their goals, and their aspirations. Many are called, few are chosen. And I firmly believe that I'm amongst the chosen few. That's my time. God bless you. Thank you. That was Inky Johnson. His website is inkyjohnson.com. You can watch today's talk on YouTube. It is called The Coach Forum 2021, Inky Johnson. Don't forget, you can listen to QOD commercial free. Just go to your app store, download the Stitcher app, and join Stitcher Premium. It's only $4.99 a month. You will hear no more ads. Go to my website as well. Pick up my new ebook, The Course Cure, and find out how if you're buying like $2,000, $3,000 online courses to, to help with your marketing in your business, you're going to find out in that ebook why it may not be working for you. It's deeper than that. It's all about your mindset. I'll see you tomorrow with the Reverend Ike. I'm out. Peace. Thank you.